Welcome to the Skillset Podcast, brought to you by the School of Information Science at the University of South Carolina and Publishers Weekly. I'm David Lankus, Professor and Director of the School. Amanda Lefwich is the Student Success Librarian at Montgomery County Community College in Pennsylvania. Her work focuses on utilizing reflective practice and mindfulness to help navigate microaggressions, prevent burnout, and find community. She's the founder of Mindful in LIS, virtual communities on Instagram and Twitter dedicated to mindfulness and librarianship. She is also co-creator of Lib Voices, a podcast that shares stories of librarians of color. This episode is part of our Collective Care series. Welcome, welcome. So if you would give us your name uh, and institution and uh, tell us who you are in library land and we can get started with our conversation on collective care. Sure. Thanks for having me. My name is Amanda Marie Leftwich and I work for Montgomery County Community College in Bluebell, Pennsylvania. Um, it's one of three campuses um, that are in Montgomery County and we serve the community proudly. Uh, Part of what I do in librarianship, at the college at least, is I am the student success librarian. So I make sure that the students are connecting um, in a holistic way with the libraries. I work with many departments to make sure that that happens um, across campus. Uh, for the field, outside of my work, I speak about um, mental health, mindful practice, reflective practice, self-care, and community care. Um, and going more deeply, I think, starting a conversation about what it means to advocate for yourself and when you advocate for yourself how much easier it is to advocate for you know the group right so a lot of times when you're taking care of yourself and people notice it right like you, oh she's got to balance it herself oh she's doing this oh she can do that um, they kind of want to know what's going on and I think especially in, in my work um, you know, you can see the importance of that coming through in different ways. So if you know that what you need and what makes you whole and what uh, feeds you or feeds your soul, if, if you believe to go that far, um, then then you can work with the community in a holistic way to help them get to that point. You're you're not, you know, dragging them along. You're just saying, hey, like, here are the here are the goals. Here's the information. Do with that what you will. And that's how I think mindful practice and librarianship melt together because at least in my mind, the mission of librarianship is to, is to give people that information and let them use their own power to figure out what they want to do with it. Absolutely, thank you. To follow up on that, if you could tell me a little bit about two-pronged question here, how you got into yeah. librarianship, uh, generally mm -hmm. speaking, but then how did you come to this work and mindfulness and as you were saying this idea of essentially feeding yourself in order to feed the community right we're in a profession um that uh fubazi urta says we have a lot of vocational awe and yes. it's always very much us giving to the community giving to the community and not doing as much for ourselves and we're also in a profession that is very stereotypically you know, quiet and mousy and mm -hmm. not assertive um, and, you know, all of those those different stereotypes. So how did you come to the mindfulness work that you do and be able to apply that to LIS, which is, you know, a profession that would traditionally say, oh, well, we don't need that. We don't do that. 
Yeah. So I started working in libraries as a work-study student um, as an undergrad. I think a lot of us come that way. Not all of us, but a lot of us come that way, right? Um, and uh, my boss at the time, when I was a work-study student, became my mentor. I took a couple of years off from um, in between going in between graduating from college and going to library school. Um, and the person that was my boss said, "Hey, I'll, I'll become your mentor. I'll help you figure it out." You know, just let me know what you want to do. And I made the decision to go to library school. <clears throat> um, and in between all that time, I worked in special collection libraries and uh, public libraries, uh, academic libraries. And I, there just was the, the theme that kept popping up was you have to work until you drop. You have to do what I say, how I say and when I say it. Yes, you get a lunch break, but really you shouldn't take the whole hour. Mm. Um, Yes, you can take a break, but really, do you need the break? Um, yes, you should be drinking water, but if you drink all the water, then you got to take a break, and that means you can't be at the desk. It just, <laughs> you know what I mean? It just kept coming back and back and back. I was like, well, we cannot have it both ways. It either has to be I'm allowed to I'm allowed to take my lunch break because enslavement is over in this country. <laughs> yes, you know, I'm not allowed to, and then we have a bigger problem here, right? So. It just those themes kept coming up to me and and my mentor said hey have you thought about mindful practice and, and reflective practice and i said what in the heck is this <laughs> and i started to do more research on it and i said oh okay it's asking you to to really stop it think and pause mm -hmm. right it's it's that stopping thing that we really don't get a lot in libraries right because we're constantly on the go right and the, the thing about libraries that really I don't think people understand it is not just this like nine to five it's really an eight to to six it mm -hmm. can be right because you got to open the libraries you got to make sure everything runs before everyone gets there you you know you have to make sure everything is perfect before you know perfect i use that word in air quotes for those that can't see me this podcast um before anyone even gets there yeah and a lot of times if you're in these um you know these these paraprofessional roles you are working to make sure that that library runs like clockwork. Mm -hmm. You are opening the doors, you are setting the computers up, you are getting the holds, all of these things before anyone even else walks through the door. And that was a lot of strain on my body. Also during this time, I found out that I had Meniere's disease mm -hmm. um, with the inner ear um, disorder, and I was getting dizzy all the time. So I couldn't move as fast as I was, okay. right? I had to slow down. My doctor was like, you have to slow down. Like there, you know, and if you cannot slow down in this job, you need a new career. Wow. Um, so I really had to take stock of like everything that was going on. And then that's how mindful practice came about for me. Okay. And reading, um, you know, the, the traditional Buddhist texts and, you mm -hmm. know, the, the art of mindfulness and all these great things, you really see that the more that you're listening to the outside, you're not listening to yourself. Mm. What what I needed, my body needed was to rest. What my body needed was to take a break. What my body needed was to to be able to sit, right? Which, you know, sometimes in reference, they don't even allow you to sit. They don't give you a chair. Uh -huh. They probably do now, but when I started working in libraries, they were like, you don't need a chair. <laughs> so, and I, you know, I was getting dizzy all the time. I was like, I need a chair. You know, so it, it was those little things like that that I had to learn how to really advocate for myself as a disabled person, right? Um, as a woman of color, like, you know, there were just things that, you know, black woman, I had I just had to do for myself that 
weren't allowed. Mm-hmm. And I think mindful practice reminded me that like, no, this is what I need to be healthy. Um, and some of my coworkers at the time, they're like, oh, you're so brave for letting them know you have a disability. I was like, how am I brave? Like, this is, this is our right. Like we're protected mm-hmm. you know, by the government. Like this is, this is ridiculous. I'm not doing all of this to make someone else happy so, so that they don't have to possibly do my work. It, and, and they weren't even doing my work even if I got sick. So I was like, I don't understand what the problem is if I ask for a chair mm-hmm. or if I have, you know, a couple extra minutes to get the holds, you know, the things like that. So, um, you know, I, ju- I just think a lot of things that they ask for in librarianship are ridiculous <laughs> and just inhuman. Like th- we're not superheroes. I am not black lightning. I am not thunder. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I cannot, you know, you know, super whip my way down the stairs to get the holds. So it's just going to have to wait. And I think that the more of us that ask for these things and the more of us that say, this is ridiculous, this needs to be cut out, the more that things will change. And little by little, you're seeing it. Like you don't see like the weight restrictions as much on library ads anymore. Little things like that that um, I think disabled librarians have been fighting for and really advocating for that we should be thankful for and we really need to acknowledge them, not just mindful practice, not just people waking up and pausing and asking if, if this thing is necessary, but the, the activism in librarianship who are saying, this does not work. Mm-hmm. Get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. So with that in mind, um, so can you talk to me a little bit about self-care versus collective care? Because now what mm-hmm. you described and how you came to mindfulness and reflective practice was really because of a personal need, right? Yeah. And, you know, someone might perceive that uh, to be, you know, wonderful self-care, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you take this mindfulness and reflective practice and essentially make it into collective care where we're co- uh, caring for our communities, caring for our colleagues, caring for our institutions? Um, how do you make that translation? Yeah, I think it's important to know, like, you don't have to be fully healed or whatever that means um, to help someone else. Um, you know, like, there were times where one of my colleagues was like, well, I can't do this thing because of some some type of, you know, um, ailment in their hands. And I said, well, I can't do this other thing. If you help me with this thing, I'm going to definitely be able to help you with that. And it's that coming together and being able to advocate together. I think a lot of librarians forget you are working for this institution, right? Like you all have a voice. If you all stand together and say, uh-uh, what are they going to do? <laughs> I say all the time, really, what are they going to do if you all stand up together and say no? And I think it takes that person to say, I have noticed that this is the issue. And if we can just get to the, get out of the, um, well, we've always done it that way. Right. Then start to really make some changes, but it takes the group being willing to question things, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I can be a healthy person all day and walk around. It doesn't mean that someone else wants to, but if you if you notice that there's a collective issue that affects you all and you say, hey, this isn't working for all of us. Can we figure out a way to maybe change this or make this better? Um, one way that people usually do that I see is with the flexible work schedule. Mm. Right. If, if you know that there are a lot of um, parents or guardians, for example, and they're not getting the same treatment that you are, that's something that you can help them with. And some maybe in turn that they'll want to help you with something else. It's not always tit for tat, but that's something that you can do. 
And as a colleague, you should be doing, you should be willing to see what the issues are for someone else. And then maybe someone else will see that issue for you and you can work together to sort of knock those things away. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they'll go away, but at least you have mentioned that it's a problem. And I think that that's the first step that we have to acknowledge that there are some issues in librarianship. Yeah, yeah. And some of what I hear you saying uh, in your last response is that you have to have empathy for- Yeah, I think, I think not only empathy, but awareness, right? Mindful, mindfulness is really awareness. You're being aware of what's going on around you, of, of what is happening, right? Um, you know, a lot of people, when they, empathetic leaders, you'll see them before they start the, their day, they may say hi to everyone. And there's a reason why they do that. They're trying to check in and touch base and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, how are you? How was your evening? Blah, blah, blah. Everything going okay today? Those are the type of people you need around. You need to start to check in with your colleagues and, and not only yourself, right? And I think sometimes we get these blinders on, um, especially when the semester starts for academic librarians, right? You're right. just going because yeah. there's nothing else. It's just like a breakneck pace trying to keep up with the classes. But maybe in, in those moments that you do have, you know, say, hey, what's going on? Is there anything that needs our attention? Is everyone doing okay? I, I think people, um, you know, sort of don't don't like to do that because they, they're trying to be seen as like a carer or something. But what is wrong with caring about your colleagues, mm-hmm. right? At the end of the day, I don't, you know, we, we don't always agree, right? But I don't want you to suffer at work while I'm there. Um, And a lot of times I have taken hits for, you know, the group um, to say that something wasn't right. I don't care, it it is what it is. Because I'll be damned if I'm gonna sit here and let something just be wrong. Especially, you know, the easy ones, right? You see um, ageism, right? That's, That's a particular one that really sets me off because we're all gonna age. Yeah, you know, God willing, right? We're we're all gonna age. I wouldn't want some young person standing there and saying nothing while you see this person, your especially your colleague being disrespected. Um, so I think the more that you stand up when it's safe to do so and, and learning when it is safe to do so, um, is a good step and working together with your colleagues to sort of get rid of grit. And um Edmund wrote about that. Um, so, you know, there, there's plenty of readings on things that you can do. Katrina Davis, Kendrick. I mean, there's so many good things out there to read um, on this topic, but I think you have to be willing to work together. And that's sometimes where the disconnect is. So that's perfect, because that's what I was going to kind of ask you about next. What do you do with that disconnect? Um, because there, we, we've all had a colleague or two or three um, that, you know, are not empathetic and just don't seem to be aware of anything other than themselves and what they're trying to accomplish. Yes, I, that's that's always the hard part, right? Because we all have our own blinders, right? So usually I really try to see what is going on with them. How can I connect with them? If I can work with them, right? If I can help them with this one thing, you know, will you help me with mine? Can we work together to to accomplish this goal of whatever this goal is? Like we're trying to get this flexible work schedule, for example. If I notice that the person has no interest, I let them be and I move on. I think you need to learn, learn when to let it go. You're not always going to agree. You're not always going to be able to set a community of practice. 
of course, those are, you know, those are the ideals, right? But we don't live in an ideal world. So if you notice that it's not working, let them go and work with the people that you can. Sometimes you will have to be, it will just be you. Mm. Um, that's unfortunate. You have to be comfortable being in that position. And, you know, the, the practice of your own awareness saying, what, you know, is this important to me right now? Or can I wait on this later? Those are the questions that you're going to have to reflect on. Mm-hmm. So you, sometimes you have to be willing to stand alone. But if you don't have to, don't. Right. Right. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll return to our interview in just a moment. First, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor for the podcast, the School of Information Science at the University of South Carolina. Interested in librarianship? Then join a nationally ranked program with over a quarter century of experience educating leaders in the field online. From the State Library of Vermont to San Francisco to the Business Library of Oxford University, our graduates lead in schools, cities, and states around the U.S. and beyond. Now, let's get back to our interview. So talk to me a little bit about the work that you've been doing in the field, right? So I know you have taught for Library Juice Academy. um, You have a podcast. You've been doing wonderful talks at different conferences and really getting people to become more familiar and embrace this idea of mindfulness and reflection particularly as it pertains to our work in librarianship. So can you talk to me a little bit about really um, some of this great outreach work that you've been doing? Sure. So I really just want people to be aware of their own needs and just practice awareness in general, right? Like what is going on with you? How how do you feel? How does your body feel? Um, what's going on with you? Because I, I missed a lot of the the warning signs when I, before I got diagnosed, right, with Meniere's, Mm -hmm. I was tired, you know, my, my ears were ringing all the time, you know, tenderness, all these things. I kept missing the signs because I was so busy trying to meet these goals for these white folks that I had no interest, you know, they had no interest in me. Mm -hmm. We had an interest in getting the work done, right? And that, that's not healthy. Like, they, they have to have some sort of, um, there has to be some sort of interest or care in your in yourself, right? Mm-hmm. But even if it's at like a very superficial level, like of just, you know, oh, it's raining today, your knee feeling okay. You know, even if it's at that base level, there has to be some level of understanding and care. And if you can't even get that, then you have to go. Mm. Um, I think it's really a lot of my work has been awareness and just reminding people that they are human. Mm. We are not meant to grind. Grinding is for the dance floor. I said that at one of my presentations. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to share it now. Um, but it is. Like, you are not meant to grind. You are not a tool. You are not a machine. You are a human. You are basically a plant. Mm. You know, we need water. We need rest. We need sunlight. And for some of us crazier people, we need a little bit of moonlight, right? <laughs> so, you know, allow yourself that break. Yeah. And I know for myself, when I worked in public libraries, they did, really didn't want us to have um, a very long break or to go away too far or um, to, to do a lot of those things because, you know, it was basically all hands on deck. Like who we had was who we had. You know, they're not going to hire any more people. You know, they really needed us there. And it was it was much harder to get those breaks. You're working, you know, sometimes six days, sometimes seven days, you know. Um, so really, you know, my lunch break was like my, you know, 
my time to breathe. And that's when I would, you know, meditate or take a walk or do any of those things. So I'm trying to remind people, you know, A, it's not healthy to sit at your desk all day. Uh, B, you do need to drink water. <laughs> you can talk to, you know, your uh, healthcare provider about how much you need because you don't want to overdo it with anything, right? Right. Um, if it feels right to you and if you're a psychiatrist or whomever your therapist says that it's okay to go more inward into your body, then you can. Meditation, mm-hmm. yoga, whatever that may be. But if you don't stop to reflect on those things, on what you need, and you're constantly working, then that's the problem. And I think um, especially, you know, Mindful and LIS, which is the um, the virtual space that I run mm-hmm. on Twitter and Instagram, you know, we're just we're just sending out reminders really like have you taken a break today Mm -hmm. how how does your body feel um what nourishes you like we're trying to get people to reflect on their own it's not so much that i need to know the answer even though people do share which is nice um it's really just for them and you can write in your reflective journal or you can meditate on it or pray on it whatever you know moves your spirit but you need to start thinking about these things um, for your own mental health Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it reminded me, um, you know, just for the listening audience, we are recording this uh, several days after the 2020 election. uh, And that seems to be going on for many, many days. um, And people are stressed out. Yes, they are. I'm seeing uh, a former student of mine on uh, Facebook. She has been posting essentially at breakfast, lunch and dinner to her friends and family have you eaten today? Yes. Have you had anything to drink today? Um, And just, you know, what would seem to be just so basic, but you know, you're talking about stress in the workplace, which is so real and, you know, can have such effects on our mind and our hearts and our bodies. Um, But when we have these points of acute stress, Mm-hmm. You know, and then you have that on top of the work stress, you have that on top of life stress, you have that on top of COVID and racial unrest and the economic downturn. Um, you know, some people are just shutting down. And then, you know, depending yes. on how people respond, you might have people who are actually maybe unfortunately just spinning out um, mm-hmm. because people react, you know, so differently. But yeah, it's a stress in different ways. Yeah. yeah but the, just the level of stress. Um, and I just, you know, value you and and many of the other colleagues uh, in librarianship that are talking uh, much more and much more openly and honestly about mental health and, you know, to to your virtual space and community, um, being mindful, asking for help, and you know, trying to remove some of that stigma um, because yeah. you know because of the stigma. And just this idea that we have to keep moving, we have to keep moving, you know, as you said, and people don't, uh, they see it as a sign of weakness. Weakness, yes. To slow and, down. And, and exactly. And they don't know how to slow down. And I think that that's another point, right? Because a lot of us are overachievers, like naturally, right? And that's, that is what it is. That's a whole different subject, right? But because we've always been on that motion or that track, right? We're, we're just constantly going. And I remember when I started my residency position, um, someone said, you know, you can slow down. Like, you don't have to, like, impress us. I was like, it's not about you, but, you know, like, it was about, like, the the notions that I put on myself from high school to um, undergrad to graduate school 
right? And I had and I I had to say to myself like, oh, I don't really have to do you know this thing if I don't want to, or I don't have to go here if I don't want to, or I don't have to um, overextend myself, right? Like I have work to do that re- that needs my full attention. I don't need to take anything else on unless I want to. So my projects now are things that I really really want to do. Um, you know, this is the podcast that we have that you were on. <laughs> um, it's great. It's great doing that and learning about people's uh, pathways to the profession. Um, you know, uh, Mindful and LAS, of course, that's the initiative that I, I will always have. I think that'll go with me. It'll probably be on my obituary, <laughs> um, uh, which is totally fine. I'm rocking it. And, you know, I'm, I'm really into plants. I'm into Reiki. You know, all of these things that just make me happy and bring me joy and sometimes have nothing to do with librarianship. Right. And that's okay. Probably, you are your profession. Yeah, you probably should have things that are not related to librarianship in, in our, our yes. careers, right? Yes. And I think, um, you know, Fobazi, that's our really, really talks about that, you know, in vocational awe and even her her um, her game that she created. Like you really have to think you have to think like, is this serving me or am I trying to do it for some ideal? If it's some ideal that's not yours, it needs to go. Yes. Like now it needs to be removed from yourself. Um, and uh, and I, I've spoken a lot about like, you know, the voices in your head. Mm-hmm. If when you really listen to the voices in your head, like saying like, oh, you got to do this. Oh, you should. It's usually not your voice. It's the voice of somebody else, like from your past, like you could be a family member or whatever, telling you that you need to do this to succeed. Um, especially for, you know, black folks, you know, you got to do, you got to work twice as hard to get half as much, you know. So we're constantly going, we're just going, 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 going. But at what point do we stop and say, I made it? Yes. And enjoy it. I did it. <laughs> you know, we we got the degrees, you know, we got the, the full-time job, we got the benefits, we did everything that they that we that they asked us to, right? So now it's about what the heck do I like to do? What what brings me some joy? And how can I, you know, fulfill myself? And usually that's why my plant jungle, right? My my crystal jungle, as my mom calls it, like the things that bring me joy you know yoga meditation um and that's not for everybody some people it's hikes or you know uh we have a lot of great bakers in this field a lot of great cooks yes anything you could think i mean artists there's so many great artists in in librarianship play into that a bit more really lean into it you have this full-time job um allow yourself maybe to apply to a, a contest or you know, stretch your creativity in different ways. It does not have to be all about ILS all the time or um, all the time. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> exactly. As long as, you know, no crimes, but you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can, you can lean, you can lean into that other side of this yourself that maybe you had to, you know, stop down a little bit because of school, right? So, you know, whatever it takes precedence, takes precedence and that, and that's fine. But you, you're allowed to like, have fun outside of librarianship. Yeah, imagine that. I know, it's like a shocker. Oh my gosh. So do the folks in your classes uh, with Library Juice Academy, uh, on your, your social media platforms, when you're talking about mindfulness and reflection, are they getting it? Like what kind of reactions and responses are you getting from them? I will tell you, a lot of times I get no response, which is like kind of like, oh no, did I? 
miss the mark completely. But then I look and see the statistics and people are sharing it, right? Yeah. Or I think a lot of people are just naturally, um, sometimes they're shyer and they don't really want to comment on their mental health because of the reasons that you mentioned, right? Because of stigma, because of all these things. Um, even though I've made that clear that I do not, there is no stigma. How you feel is how you feel. And where you are today is where you are today and tomorrow might be different. Um, but a lot of times we, I make it like no comments and a lot of shares okay. and a, or a lot of comments and share. It really depends on people's moods, how they're feeling, um, what's going on in the world, right? If there's any other library conference going on, there's a lot of um, dynamics there. I think that they do get it. I think I have a lot of followers who are just like, I'm going to bookmark this for later. I say that a lot on the page. I'm going to bookmark this for later and come back to it. Mm -hmm. And really what it's meant to be. I've never, I've never been one of those people to say, okay, well, nobody said anything. So it must have failed. Mm. Right? It's like if one person likes it, then that one person got the message and that's what it was meant for. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow, if a hundred people like it, then a hundred people were meant to get that message. And then the next day and the next day, you know? So I think that people are getting it. I think people are sharing it. I don't know if they're necessarily citing me. The people that do cite me do let me know. Um, I'm not sure if, if there are more shares or anything because I haven't written like a, you know, an, a scholarly like resource on it yet. Um, but I think that people do get it. I think people, and people are grateful for it. Yeah. I don't you get too much hate. So <laughs> that's always a good thing. Yes, indeed, indeed. Okay, very good. So what's next? Uh, in terms of this uh, journey that you're on within uh, your LIS journey, but what's next for you in terms of your work with mindfulness and reflection? That's a good question. I have no idea. I'm trying to take it like day by day and not be the person that has like a five-year plan because I usually get so caught up in that yeah. idea. I'm not living for what I want right now. So Personally, what I'm doing, I'm, I'm, uh, I got my Reiki certification one and two. I got my yoga um, teaching certification, my 200 level. Nice. Um, yeah, so those have been really good for me, like really balancing and grounding in this crazy 2020 mm. year. <laughs> mm. um, and I think professionally, I, I, I don't know where I see myself going. I, I don't know if it's going to be a leadership role. Um, I would accept that. I think that that would be a good challenge for me. I think I do need a challenge at this point in my career. Um, yeah. Especially since I've, I, if you include my work study time and going into my paraprofessional time, I've been in working in libraries for about 12 years, mm -hmm. 13 years like that. Um, so it's been, it's been a long time uh, coming. So it would be nice to be able to move up. Um, I'm really concerned about, writing more, which is coming out next year. So more publications, yeah. book chapters, a lot of book chapters coming out next year for me. Good. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully some more like journal articles yeah. um, on mindful practice in LAS and really um, speaking to a wider audience and trying to contact a wider audience um, as much as possible. I think just really, you know, staying grounded and making sure that the mission, um, the mission basically that I sort of like came up with, you know, like on my own was just like to make sure 
that we're just sharing mindful practice and making sure that mindful techniques and reflective techniques are are there mm-hmm. and that this is a place of sort of support and comfort if you need it mm-hmm. and when you need it it'll be there so hopefully that will continue to grow um get more people involved you know invite more people to come and speak we're really trying to uh amp that up mm-hmm. so that's I think that's really the next step and getting people getting people more involved if they want to speak on it or however they see themselves being involved. Awesome. Awesome. Before I uh, ask you our concluding question, is there anything about your work or your journey or your trajectory that you would like to share or emphasize that I haven't already touched on with you? Gosh, it's not a straight pathway, right? Like, I, my undergrad degree was in art history, um, in Hellenistic art for those of you. Um, and, you know, I took two years off. Um, I lived abroad. I lived in China for two years and I taught English there. Right. So that was a lot of fun. And then I came back and I was like, what do I do? And I worked in travel for a while. Um, and that was really interesting getting to send people to these exotic places and staying <laughs> in one place. When I was used to the one like going off and having these fun adventures, right? Um, and then I decided to go to library school. It's not a straight pathway. It's not like you get your undergrad, you go to library school, you go straight working into libraries. Um, and that's okay. I think whatever pathway you get there is the pathway that you get there. And it's just about what you want to do when you get there, right? Like you can, a lot of people are like, well, how do I create my own mindfulness? Yes. Whatever you think you need to share um, with the world or with the community, share it. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, if it helps one person, then it helps one person. Don't be so caught up in the numbers. Yes. Reach out and see what ha- That's what I, the mindful NLIS started because um, I was sharing like, you know, mindful or reflective tips on my own Twitter. And then I, I said, well, if I did this as a challenge, for 28 days in November, like two years ago, mm-hmm. um, would you be interested? And the every I had a th- like I swear it was like a thousand likes or something ridiculous like that. It was insane. Wow. So I well I'm gonna do it. So you better all show up. And they say don't worry we're gonna be there. And they were. And then I created the um the Twitter page after that. Right. So. It was really from that. Don't be afraid to share with this community. I know a lot of times we make fun of library Twitter for how harsh it can be and everything else. But there's also a, a very um, kind, welcoming, understanding, and supportive um, side of library Twitter that wants you to succeed, that wants you to share what you're working on, that wants to uplift your work. So don't be afraid to share it. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point to make. Thank you. So finally, um, with all of this wonderful uh, expertise and experience that you're sharing, what gives you hope? Gosh, what gives me hope? That's a good one. I think my family gives me hope, right? Like, (laughs) they're just hilarious. Um, And they have gone through so many different things to get me to where I need to be, and to support me to where I want to go, right? So that gives me hope. And I think the people who are, you know, the generation after us or after me give me hope, right? The people who are coming up in this profession and sharing what they what they know um, 
not letting the fact that they're not an expert in something or they don't have a, a you know extra letters after their name stop them from what they're going to do. You can always get credentials later. Um, you know, don't let it stop you from sharing what you want to share. So I, I think that that gives me hope that more people are sharing, more people are trying to stop down the stigmas of wherever we are, right? I'm at a community college, there's community college stigma. There's mental health stigma. I mean, there's so many different types of stigmas. And I think the more that we work together to sort of try to stomp them out, it's a better place to be. And I think that, you know, the there are a lot of BIPOC librarians, BIPOC disabled librarians that are giving me hope that this, that we could make a, um, a change. So that, that's what's giving me hope for the future. And I hope that people continue to do that and not let setbacks um, derail them and stop them from what they're trying to do because they're doing great work. Beautiful, thank you. Thank you so much for coming through and having this wonderful conversation. I so enjoyed it and am grateful for the work that you're doing in the field. Thank you so much and thank you for having me, this is great.